Hello and welcome to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I will be your host. I am joined by Mark LaRocco and it's still January. How's your January treating you, Mark? It's going excellently. Better than yours, it sounds like, because oh, you good. like to complain about the January <laughs> <laughs> dump of movies. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... Because what I mean of the of the new movies we've covered so far, they haven't been that bad. I mean, I thought Plane was pretty good, That's and true. you know the Man Called Auto was pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, I I thought it was was it wasn't great, but I but I enjoyed it. Um, and even though I don't know if it's technically a January twenty twenty three movie, I think you were telling me that you just finished one that you are very enthusiastic about. Yeah. So maybe you want you want to catch us up. Yeah, I mean, let me kind of preface this by saying I am new to the world of Bollywood. You need to make a disclaimer? Yeah, I'm making a little disclaimer. I I really can't speak intelligently about Bollywood movies because even though it's apparently one of the most profitable and largest markets in the world, in in the world of film, Uh um, a lot of these just don't get much play in in America and I don't tend to seek them out unless I, I hear about them. So there's this movie that came out and maybe one of the reasons I've heard about it is it's been a huge hit on Netflix and it's been one of the biggest box office grossing movies at theaters, even though it's been a Netflix hit in, in Indian countries and in uh, you know South Asian countries. And it's called RRR. Um, and this movie uh, <laughs> is about pirates. Yeah. RRR. No, it's RRR, <laughs> which apparently had an original... Uh, another meaning or there was some Indian words, but ha- has since sort of come to mean rise, roar, revolt. Uh, and okay. I'll tell you kind of the seed of this movie. So there's this director named S.S. Rathmajuli, this Indian director, who saw the movie Inglorious Bastards by Quentin Tarantino. And if you've seen that movie, you know that it's a revisionist history movie. It's almost like this I don't. I don't want to say brand new genre, but it's 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 a thing that Tarantino has done with, I guess, his last three movies now, or three of his last four movies, where he's taken a famous historical event and just changed it to suit however he wants to tell the story. Um, and so it's more than just poetic license, right? It's it's like I'm not even going to tell the story the right way, the way that the history books say, like even close. Uh, and and so anyway, this director watched this movie. And he saw how Hitler died in the movie. And he's, and at first, his reaction was, that's not what happened. That's not how Hitler was killed. And then he was like, oh, it's a great movie. Like, I, we, you can do this kind of stuff. Like, there's no rule against it. And so in India's history, one of the things that they've struggled with, for example, if you've ever seen the movie Gandhi, the, the best picture winner of 1982, is British uh, colonialism is gaining their independence from, from Great Britain, from the U.K., um, it's, it has been said that the sun never sets on the British Empire because they ruled much of the world for a long period of time until mm-hmm. the 20th century, really. Um, and in India, there were two famous revolutionaries that both helped uh, sort of incite rebellion and, and helped India gain its independence from Great Britain. And in real life, these two guys never met each other. They, ne- they didn't have any connection, even though they lived at roughly the same time. I think in, in real life, they're only 10 or 15 years apart, something like that. Well, he said, what if they were best friends? 
this director did. And so he decided to uh, make a movie about that. And I mean, that's not doing justice okay. at all to the style of storytelling, to just the insane action set pieces in this movie. Um, somehow it both it's both like just enormous and epic in scope. I mean, thousands and thousands of extras, really long sustained and violent action sequences, like fight sequences, but also it has a lot of heart to it. And it's full of lots of close-ups. It's, it's, I think I told you the other day, it has as much slow motion that I've seen in a movie for years that I can remember. I mean, just unabashedly <laughs> melodramatic slow motion moments of uh, j- just different things that happen, in, you know, among these, in this bromance and, and then among other characters in the movie. And I'll just kind of tell you how it starts. I, obviously, I don't want to go through the whole thing, but... It, it is three hours long. It's a little over three hours long. It's it's kind of a it's got a musical section. Kind of it's got a couple of them. Um, it's extremely violent. I mean, so one of the things you notice in movies uh, that that kind of bugs me in movies sometimes is when a director uh, takes action scenes and like films them like in the dark or the camera cuts so quickly. Uh, and, and, and he gives mm-hmm. you such bad angles that you just don't even know what happened. You s- sort of have to piece it together later or figure it out at the end. Oh, who won that fight? Or who, who was involved? Or whatever. Right. And it's just kind of sloppy. And sometimes it's just used as maybe like, because there's not a huge budget on the movie or they're rushing through things or for whatever. The director says, well, I want to disorient the viewer. That's how these fighters feel. Well, um, it, this movie is the opposite. A lot of the fight scenes are in slow motion and you see exactly what's happening, which sometimes it's difficult to see. It's, it's grotesque to watch. Um, but mm. I mean, if you've ever, you've probably never seen a movie where somebody throws a leopard, a live leopard at another person and uses it as a weapon, <laughs> which again, it's insane. You've well, probably never seen a movie where, believe it or not, <laughs> where, where a motorcycle <laughs> is flown into a building full of TNT and the motorcycle's on fire. And so of course that's, it's what's supposed to happen. I mean, there are just so many things in this movie that I just was like openly, like my mouth was open or I was laughing out loud. You know, I just, it was just so much fun to watch. Um, It sounds fun. Anyway, I, uh, but yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I've heard from a lot of people is that it's very fun, very, very stylized, very, it sounds like a movie where they're just going for it. Oh yeah. And, and that, that I appreciate. Yeah, you, so. you appreciate just the bravura like intention behind it. Just to say, look, we're gonna we're gonna go for everything we can. It's the most expensive film in Indian history as far as its budget. And you can see it. I mean, it's all up there. But I think they got their money's worth. <laughs> so I know that we've got a couple new movies coming out. Um, there's a movie missing, which I I did not see. We'll have to see if I can catch that one in the next little while. Um, I think its early reviews are pretty good. But one thing I did see was also on Netflix. It was a documentary. Uh, it's called, I believe it's called The, the Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. Um, I don't know if you come across this one no. yet. But it's, it's the story of a, one of these viral celebrities from about 10 years ago, I want to say. Um, I don't know if you remember a guy. This is like so many viral YouTube personalities this is a guy who was interviewed in the wake of there was some incident. And so the local TV crew comes on the scene where 
a guy crashed his car into a person try like intentionally and tried to kill him and this you know other people got involved trying to help the person who was the victim and all this and in the midst of this this homeless hitchhiker comes up and attacks the assailant with a hatchet like hits him over the head with it and and the clip that went viral was the interview with this hitchhiker when he describes how he reacted to the situation and of course he says it in this really colorful way and he said you know i came up behind him and i just smash 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 you know just like and so that became the viral thing where they're you know suddenly they're turning it into songs and they're using auto-tune on it and all this kind of thing okay and it's this guy named kai and so he so he's kind of got this this kind of sideshow bob crazy crazy hair and he's got a uh, a bandana on his head and just really kind of wild eyes and so as he's talking to this this newsman it's just this really kind of over the top crazy clip but he's describing like this heroic action because he you know went after this guy who was trying to kill people um and so he becomes a celebrity and this documentary is about his kind of rise to prominence and how he became this overnight sensation he got gets on Jimmy Kimmel live they're talking about making a reality show for him and all this, and they're thinking it's going to raise uh, attention to the homeless, you know, and, and, and their predicament. But there's a lot more to the story, and it takes some incredibly dark and kind of tragic turns. Oh. Um, and so I only remember the original clip. Like when I saw the clip and I saw the trailers, previews, and all that, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember the Smash guy, right? That's all I remember. And it must have just been kind of there and gone, you know, with the news cycle. And so I had not heard anything about what happened over the next two or three months. Uh, but it's, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of depressing in a way oh. because it starts off like this. Oh, well, this is, Heroic. oh, here's this great, yeah. you know, this good, the good Samaritan yeah. who's a little bit crazy, but, you know, we've got a good heart. And, well, I guess there's a little bit more to it than that. Okay. And, and so... At least, at least on my account, it's been advertised prominently. Maybe they just assume that I'm really into hatchet wielding hitchhikers and and the lot. So who knows? Have to look at that. But okay, it's it is still January, yes. so it is still early in the year, and so we were thinking it might be nice to do a little 2023 preview mm-hmm. episode and go through some of the movies that we are excited to see this year some of the movies that maybe we're not very excited to see this year um kind of see where those those choices overlap and differ but uh how about how about we do it this way mark uh how about let's let's have you go first and why don't you tell us your list of five most anticipated and then we can discuss them and go from there okay so my list is mission impossible dead reckoning part one uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and 65. Okay. So I know what Mission Impossible 7 and Dial of Destiny are. The third one? What was that one? It's Killers of the Flower Moon. It's the newest Killers Martin Scorsese movie. Oh, okay. okay. You mentioned there was going to be a Scorsese movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. And then, and then you had Oppenheimer, right? Yep. Yeah, that's the Christopher Nolan movie. And then 65 is one that is produced by Sam Raimi. And 
Okay. The synopsis is Adam Driver crashes into an unknown planet that turns out to be Earth 65 million years ago, and he has to fight dinosaurs. I did see this one. Yeah. So, so these are not in any particular order. So is there... I mean, the first one you read off was Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Is that the one that you're most excited to see? Yeah. Yep. That's my number one. I think it looks really good. I, Tom Cruise does all of his own stunts. Um, he's been doing these videos on the internet as almost like teasers for the movie where he'll show a stunt from the movie, jump out, you know, jump out in a parachute and say, thanks for going to the movies. See you at the movies. You know, that kind of stuff. Because um, he seems to be just the consummate movie star uh, right now. And yeah. I think it's my favorite franchise going right now, uh, Mission Impossible. Okay. And this is the seventh one. Well, I'm with you there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, as much as I hate the the title for that movie, mm-hmm. it is absolutely on my, my top five list as well. So, oh, okay. so Mission Impossible, I 100% agree with you. You are preaching to the choir um, but I would like to hear your rationale for Dial of Destiny. Okay, so I, part of it is just the whole nostalgic thing, and I think that, well, here's my rationale. It's the fifth one. It's Harrison Ford's last time. I get that he's like 170 years old. Well, really, he's like 82 or something, but um, he's he's getting up there, and mm-hmm. he is, uh, and it's directed by James Mangold, who did Logan. It's executive produced by Spielberg and it's John Williams' last movie score. He's retiring after this. Um, I didn't know that. And so he just did the Fablemans. He he composed a really nice like piano score as a tribute. He even, he even did a special song for the final scene between Mitzi and Sammy. um, That was really for, and he told Steven, this is like, this is for your parents This is for Arnold and Leah and for Steven and, it like made Spielberg cry. It was such an uh, emotional moment, and it's a nice it's a nice score. Um, some of the songs I heard in that movie, I thought they were like Chopin, and they were just all originals apparently by John Williams. Well, I don't know if all of them were, but most of that score, most of that score is his. But anyway, he but this one's going to be his last one is Any Angel of the Dial of Destiny. So I imagine it'll be a reprise of the classic, you know, Raiders March, a few of those kind of few of those kind of tunes. But sure. Um, I've I've enjoyed these movies, even though I know uh, the fourth one was definitely the the lower the the runt the lesser, you know the 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 Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, the first three are I, I mean I, I know we did our Spielberg movie draft, and I believe I drafted two of these in the draft. You know, two of these first three, uh, yeah, Indiana Jones movies. Actually, I do three anyway. Sure. I know, I know there was a lot there. No, no, I think you did Raiders, right? And I had, I think you, you drafted Raiders and I drafted the second and third ones. Yeah. Temple of Doom and The Last Crusade. Yeah. But it's just such a great character. I've always loved, right. loved this sort of no nonsense. But I mean, it's so corny that a guy uses a whip. The main thing he uses is a whip. And the fedora is just one of the ultimate classic hats in movie history. And they always seem to mm-hmm. come up with a, well, almost always halfway decent plot. Um, it also has Phoebe Waller Bridge in it from Fleabag. Um, she, I guess, is going to be the next Indiana Jones or or what? However, they're going to do it. Um, so I know that the Dial of Destiny is not a great title. I don't know. It might be about time travel or time, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, 
after what they did in the fourth movie, that doesn't seem super far-fetched to have a movie about time travel. And supposedly there's going to be some de-aging sure, to sure. Uh, Harrison Ford will be de-aged like, you know, uh, De Niro and Pacino and The Irishman. So I don't know. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a big opening. It opens at the end of June. Um, so I'm, I'll be there. But yeah, I mean, if it's the third best Indiana Jones movie, I'd call that a success. Oh, sure. Sure. I, Mark, I hope you're right. <laughs> I, I hope you're Is right. that on your worry list? Uh, we'll, we'll come Sorry. We'll, sorry no, we'll, we'll come back. It. We'll come back to it. In a minute. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll come back to this in a minute. But speaking of the Irishman, what's the Scorsese movie about? All right. So there was a book that came out in 2017, uh, called Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders and the Birth of the FBI. It's a it's a nonfiction book written by a journalist about a true story about a bunch of murders of some high, uh, I guess, some big wigs that were Osage people, um, the Indians in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And then the story about how the FBI kind of formed and began investigating them, uh, finding out what was really happening. And there was a little bit of wait. So this isn't a mob movie. What was that? So it's not it's so it's not a mob movie. No, uh, I know. Isn't that weird? Wow. I mean, Scorsese does do a lot that's, of non-mob that's really movies. Weird. I mean, he he's got a kind of a lot in there, but he's most famous for his <laughs> his movie, you know, depictions of mob life. But um, although I am sure some of the FBI agents are going to basically be mobsters, knowing Scorsese, and they're going to be not good sure. people. I, I don't know. I'm. I have no idea. I'm just I'm making that up. Right. But it's got Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, Jesse Plemons, Brent, uh, Brendan Fraser's in okay. it. Okay. And um, huh. I can't remember. A bunch of other people. But uh, it looks like it's going to be good. And it was supposed to come out last year. So we're, I mean, a uh, lot of people are waiting it. And I believe it's coming on Apple TV. Uh, so. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah. So I've, I've enjoyed a lot of Scorsese movies. So now, and then Oppenheimer... He's the guy who he invented the atomic bomb, or he was key to the development of the atomic bomb. What what exactly was? Yeah, that? he he's the he's I guess he's the inventor of of it. Um, and yeah. he's what do they call him? The father of the atomic bomb. So he kind oh, of was the main the person father. in the okay. in the char- in charge of the Manhattan Project, and he's the one that I think coined the phrase "I am become." I am the oh. what is that destroyer of worlds or something? Yeah, yeah. I am the destroyer. I am of become worlds. death. I, I am. I am become death. Yeah, yeah. from the Bhagavad yeah. Gita, and so he. I, I think he was like conflicted, and he had problems. Even though that was that's what he's famous for. I don't know if he's really happy to be famous for that. And so I'm sure the movie will delve into that a little bit. And then I'm not even going to read the list of people. There's just so many people in this movie. I mean, lots of big yeah. stars in it, but. I mean, you look at Amsterdam, whatever, Babylon. There's movies that have a lot of big stars in them that just don't amount to much. Oh, yeah. But Christopher Nolan is, you know, I've enjoyed most of his work quite a bit. So I I look forward to it. Well, and for that reason, I'm kind of wondering now, not that he does this every time, but again, kind of like with Scorsese, it's a reputation thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Is... I mean, do you think that Oppenheimer is going to be a mess with the timeline <laughs> type of movie? Or is it going to be chronological, you know, like the Batman movies, I guess? I'm trying to think, what else What else has he done that has just been strictly chronological? Because it seems like pretty much everything else he does, there's some kind of manipulation of time. You know, his 
you know, like, I, like with Dunkirk. I agree. And, That's one of his his hallmarks, right? He dubs that. There, there's dead wives. There's the manipulation of time. There's, I. But you know, it's a biopic, and well, I guess Dunkirk. He did that little tripartite sort of manipulation right. of time where and i kind of wondered if it was necessary yeah i don't like, think it was. i like the movie i thought about that movie but it almost seemed like he was doing it for the sake of doing it rather than right. because it needed i don't know if it needed it and I, so, he could have told it linear and straightforward and maybe made a really effective war movie but yeah i don't know what he's going to do in this one maybe he will just kind of go straight forward or maybe it'll be a flashback or yeah. i mean i mean maybe because there's a ticking <laughs> i don't know but it's not a ticking time bomb i mean it's an atomic bomb but I don't know. I, I it'll it'll be interesting to see what he does with it. Um, he's he has developed yeah. a reputation. Well, because it's so yeah. And I mean, I lest I take this too far and make it sound like I'm just being critical, it's on my list too. Mm-hmm. Like Oppenheimer and and Mission Impossible are both on my list of top five most anticipated this year. Um, okay. I think I think with Oppenheimer, it's it sounds like it's an interesting subject. And then just kind of like you say, just being a Christopher Nolan movie, more often than not, I really enjoy his stuff. I, I was not a big fan of Tenet. Um, I, I haven't loved everything he's done, but I mean, so many of them have been great that I, and I really have enjoyed that overall, I'm genuinely interested in seeing this one. Like mm-hmm. I, will, I will be excited to sit in the theater and know that I'm about to see Oppenheimer. Um, and Mission Impossible 2, uh, or not, Mission Impossible, comma, T-O-O. <laughs> that one, it's kind of it's kind of like you referred to earlier. Like, it's, at this point, it's pretty much a guaranteed, it's 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 a sure thing. Yeah. You know, they, they haven't shown any signs yet of of falling off or, or going into decline. And so I don't have any reason whatsoever to think that this isn't going to be just another great fun adventure that, yeah. you know, really, really one of the best franchises overall for the last, what, like 15, 20 oh, years yeah. now. I mean, really, really since number three, I've just loved all of the movies. Yeah. Um, and, and one, one was really good in its own right. Two's the only one that I think was just kind of crap. I, I, I liked it, but I get why people don't i mean it's this slow motion the birds flying john woo cruz has the pretty long hair i mean i i liked it but yeah, yeah i guess if i'm comparing it to all all of the mission possibles it's the least it's not not as good as the it's, other it's one. kind of the temple of doom right yeah <laughs> so okay so so remind me what you had at number five um it was 65 it's that that's right that's movie. right yeah it's, it's a little bit of my you know, sort of my off ball wow odd, odd, oddball choice um and and hearing you describe it again, reminding me of it, I would almost consider bumping Oppenheimer to put something <laughs> on there because that does sound like it could be. Fun. It might be like, really cool. Like I, I think yeah. that, yeah, no, it's it has, I, well, and this is kind of was what I was referring to with RRR is just that I even if it doesn't work, I will always respect movies that just go, go for, for it, it, yeah, and just really go, you know, and do something unique, do something fun, and just kind of shoot for the stars and yeah and it sounds like you know 65 could be just weird enough and fun enough that i would i would love to have that fall into that and category it could be complete schlock you know or it could be actually a really good 
space adventure slash dinosaur uh-huh. killing movie, but um, I don't know. I've liked Adam Driver quite a bit. He he's been in a lot of yeah. my, a few of my favorite movies of the last six or seven years. Sure. Well, I know that you really liked Marriage mm-hmm. Story. My one of my favorite performances from him was on Logan Lucky, which I oh, realize yeah. is no no Oscar no Oscar aspirations there, but uh, but he's fun. No, he's 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 a lot of I, he's very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, but then uh, what was the one? Oh, I was going to say not to not to dip too much into what's going to come in the second half of our of our analysis here, but I I wanted. When we talk about kind of those, you say it's like total schlock, but it could be kind of fun. That's what I wanted the Meg to be. Okay. And so when I saw that, like the Meg 2 is coming out later this year, it's just, no, because the first one kind of had its chance and it just wasn't nearly as dumb and fun as I thought it could be. So I'm not really interested in this one, right? Maybe maybe 65 can uh, can can fulfill our hopes. But uh, but let me, so, so let me tell you, so I already said um, Mission Impossible and Oppenheimer are on mine. Um, I am really excited to see the second Dune movie, mm. the the follow up. That one I really I really enjoyed the first one from I guess only about what a year and a half ago now. Um, not not that far back. I'm actually surprised it's going to be coming out this year. I didn't think that they would have it ready this soon. Yeah. Uh, but I really enjoyed that first one. Uh, the the cinematography, the style you know, all the, the characters and performances and stuff. And I, I, I enjoyed in a more tongue in cheek fashion, the old David Lynch one. Like, really? I didn't, you know, that one is, widely Oh yeah. Banned. I mean, it's, it's no great movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and deservedly so. I mean, there are, there are definitely reasons to turn your nose up at that movie and to kind of snicker at it. But I guess because I wasn't like a devoted fan of the source material who felt like, you know, my, my intellectual property was was being pooped uh-huh. on. That, uh, it didn't it didn't bother yeah. me, and it, I, I enjoyed the campiness of it enough that you know. Yeah. But I thought the new one was better, and I felt like the new one feels more faithful to what I think it's supposed to be. Um, I don't think I've read the book. I'm trying to remember if I. I've never read. Say it. I might have listened to it on tape once. I I've actually been thinking about reading it this year. I I don't um, know. So I'll, yeah. My friend Chad loves but, it. He highly recommended it, and I almost was going to read it last year, but I, I haven't yet. I, I really should. You couldn't do it. But then, you know, sometimes you do want read a book, and if you're really looking forward to a movie, it's almost like you might as well just read the movie first or watch the movie first and enjoy it as a blank slate, just going in clean. You know, like that Killers of the Flower Moon. That's one of the top supposedly nonfiction books of 2017. It was like it won like all these awards. But yeah. I kind of just want to watch the movie and then read the book because I don't want to read the book and then be like, either there's no surprises, you know, if it has a cool ending or uh-huh. I, I criticize the movie for not including some scene that I felt was important or whatever. I don't know. I do that. I know everybody does it. I've noticed everybody does it. They'll complain if, yeah. if a book's so important to them that the movie never lives up. Well, I see, as, as usual, I see both sides of the argument yeah. where... I want to say this was my dad's idea, actually, who told me about this years ago, but he always felt like it was it was better to read the book first because then you are creating the story and the characters in your mind rather than, well, if you see the movie, then you read the book, then while reading the book, you've kind of still got that movie yeah. character, actor, image in your mind. 
And, and so, which I think, I think makes a lot of sense, you know, and I like the idea of kind of you be, you're more in charge of kind of the, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a collaborative act of creation with you and the novelist. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, but at the, but at the same time, I, I have like one distinct memory where I watched all, I, I watched the first four Harry Potter movies without having read the books mm-hmm. and enjoyed the movies very much. Yeah. And then I read the fifth book before one. seeing the fifth the movie. huge book. Uh, yeah. one, well, I think towards the end they were all kind of giant. Yeah. But, uh, but that was the first time I read the book first. And I remember being slightly disappointed in the movie because yeah. that was the first time I was watching the movie thinking, oh, well, this is missing and this is missing and this is missing. And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And of course, over time, I can't agree to appreciate the movie just fine. But there were there was a real big difference in going into one of those movies just kind of like you say with kind of the blank slate yeah. versus going in with the set of expectations. And and at the same time, like I said, I see the other I see the other direction too, where, you know, this is something that I that I was able to experience on my own and kind of had my own idea of what it, what it's going to be. And uh, we'll see if that you know, lives up or not. But it, anyway, it sounds like, so that's, so that's one that it sounds like I am excited to see. Yeah. The conclusion it sounds like to me is that whatever you do second is going to suffer. It's going to pale in comparison, right? Usually if you, that does see, yeah. if you watch the movie first, the book's going to be, it's not going to be as enjoyable because you're just going to think about the movie in your mind. But if you read the book first, then the movie it's going to be just tainted, you know, mm-hmm. by whatever great impressions you have from the book. Maybe if you read the book first and the book's kind that of that does crappy, seem like the common thread. And then the movie's amazing. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess it could work the other way too, right? Like you watch a movie, and even though it's not great, but it piques your interest, and the book turns out to just be amazing. I don't know, but yeah. So Dune Two, by the way, was on my list. I, I bumped off um, six. I bumped Dune Two off for sixty five. But I, I agree. I'm I'm looking forward to Dune Two as well. I will be surprised if it's not good. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, but then I also, to kind of kind of stay in kind of the, the campy area that we've we've mined a little bit, uh, I put Renfield on my list. Oh, okay. Uh, which appears to be some some kind of campy vampire type movie with two of my favorite Nicholases. We've got Nicholas Cage and Nicholas Holt. Yep. Um, and I think if I, if I, if I was reading things right, uh, Nicholas Cage is the vampire and Nicholas Holt is, uh, is his sidekick Renfield. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I really don't know much more than that. I just saw a couple of quick clips in like a little preview trailer thing and just thought, well, that looks like it could be kind of fun and off the wall and weird. And yeah, let's, I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed at that. I, I will be excited to see that one. And with the full acknowledgement that it could be utter garbage, right. it, it could be, yeah. but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm willing to roll the dice on that one. And I'll, uh, I will, I will willingly admit to my error. If it turns out that that is one of the turkeys of the year. Mm. Um, but I'm going to have to, give you some credit uh, because the one that I would say is my number one most anticipated movie this year is one that I did not even know about until you mentioned it either earlier this week or last week or whenever we were texting. Mm. Um, There's a new John Carney movie coming out and that makes me happy. That makes me so, so 
happy. Um, one of my favorite, certainly one of my favorite Sundance experiences, but really one of my favorite movie going experiences, period, was going to see Sing Street uh, in downtown Salt Lake. I, I, it was one of the Eccles theaters or something uh, back in 2016 mm-hmm. in with, with January, I guess it was. I just fell in love with that movie and adored it. You know, this, this was the movie about the, you know, the teenage kid who's in a, a private or he's going to like in a Catholic school in Ireland and he decides to form a band so that he can impress this girl. Yeah. And so it's, you know, another one of these music movies because all of, all of Jarn Carney's movies are music centered. Yep. Uh, he also did, did once, um, which was kind of the, I don't know, more, more, more of kind of like a friendship than really a romantic story between uh, uh, a guitarist, kind of a singer-songwriter, and this this uh, young wife that he meets who plays the piano, and they wind up kind of forming a little band together, writing, you know, recording some music together. And um, Begin Again is a little bit more of a, I think that was Carney's attempt to be a little bit more mainstream. He's got uh, Mark Ruffalo in that one, and... Uh, Kara Knightley, who uh, plays the girlfriend of this kind of hitting it big rock star, who's played by, um, I'm trying to remember his name now. Uh, he is a real rock star, and he is uh, the Maroon 5 guy. Oh, Adam ah, Levine? Maroon 5 guy. Adam, Adam yeah. Levine, yeah. So Adam Levine is the boyfriend, and he is in the process of hitting it big. She is the girlfriend, who also is a singer-songwriter, Mark Ruffalo is an out on is a down on his luck producer who discovers her at like this open mic night and the two of them set off to to make an album together. Oh, okay. So there's very similar threads with Once. Um, both Once and Begin Again are are R-rated um, but uh, Sing Street was PG-13. I don't know what this one is but you cuz you mentioned that you I, I think you have tickets to go yeah, see this one I'm, this new one is going to be called uh, Flora Flora and Sun Yeah and I'm um, seeing it next on Tuesday night in Sundance with my sister and I'm I probably should have put it on the list cuz I wasn't even thinking of Sundance in this like 2023 release which are like theaters and Netflix and Apple yeah. TV but well, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited it'll be to out see by the end too. of the year for sure I haven't seen Begin Again but I completely agree with you with Sing Street and Once once is just almost this mournful but sweet kind of what what could have been mm-hmm. you know love story or what might be and it's a really interesting movie yeah. because it almost plays like a musical there's so much music in it but it's not like the characters are suddenly yeah. looking at the camera dancing and singing it's like almost like music right. videos hidden in the movie a little bit um it's mm-hmm. it's really good it's and it's it's got such a cool um I mean, cool ending, and I, I liked it a lot. And Sing Street is just a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, that's cool. I'm jealous no, you got to see that in the at Sundance. Every Carney movie, man. Yeah, they're they are fantastic. I was seriously like hearing that he's got another one coming out. Just okay, there is going to be something redeeming about 2023. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> well, hopefully it comes out but, in 2023. But no, I, I am excited. Some of these Sundance movies, yeah. they, they take a year, year and a half to really get a release. So, but it probably will. He's he's successful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm 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 willing to wait. I'm willing to wait a little bit. So so I will look forward to your report on that one. Okay. Um, but that's that that's yeah. So so Flora and Son, uh, Dune Two, Mission Impossible Seven, I guess Renfield and Oppenheimer. Those are my five. Okay. And uh, and that is and that is the end of my optimism <laughs> and my positivity, and my. <laughs> 
by looking looking for the good because we also have some lists of movies that we are not looking forward to this year um do you want to go first or do you want me to go first why don't you go first and and then if there's okay i'll lead i'll lead off on this one so so my list of of least no this is not least this is most dreaded so these are the these are the films asterisk that i am most dreading this year um number one is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> I am just, I don't know. I think, and, and I'm not even saying this with any exaggeration, seeing Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was the first time that I acknowledged that, you know, maybe it's not such a good thing to bring back these old franchises. Mm. Because I always, before that, you know, is as checkered as the prequels were for star Wars and all that, it always just felt like, Hey, you know what? It's fun. Let them do what they want. Let them bring back the old movies. We will always have the original ones anyway. There's no harm done. And after crystal skull, I just kind of felt like, you know, maybe they should just kind of leave this stuff alone because this, that was crystal skull. I have not seen it a second time. I saw it the one time in the theater and I think I've caught bits and pieces of it here and there, but have never really felt like, giving it a second watch and i don't know maybe maybe that undercuts my credibility but but with this one i i would love to think that it would kind of you know maybe maybe it can be the rocky balboa that corrects rocky Uh five for the for the indiana jones franchise i can't say that i'm pinning my hopes very high on that happening um so so i hope that you are right but i fear that it's going to be more appropriate on on these second second list so so yeah so that one i'm not carrying uh, a lot of anticipation for i'm also and I, I i hate to admit this but i feel like the franchise has turned a corner uh just just as a as a matter of anticipation or as just kind of previewing here these are all sequels these, yeah. these are all spin-offs like everything on my not and anti- most dreaded but anyway fast x the the latest Fast and Furious movie. Oh, is it I'm the not looking forward is to that, that one. The tenth one. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. right. Fast X. So hence Fast Ten. Uh, there is apparently a Hunger Games prequel coming out later this year. Mm. I have zero interest in seeing. I thought that the other Hunger Games movies, after like I liked the second one, and all the other ones were crap. Um, and then there's Wonka which is some kind of a prequel origin story for Willy Wonka. Not looking forward to that at all. But other than Indiana Jones, probably the like the big part of the big thing on my list, every Marvel movie except Spider-Man into across the Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. I am dreading every Marvel which which breaks my heart because Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy are two of my favorite uh character sub I don't even have what what to call them like my favorite franchises within the MCU but just based on the last couple of years I mean I loved Thor too and Thor Love and Thunder was not good so so yeah so Spider-Man into the uh, across the Spider-Verse that one I think will be fun I'll, I'm excited to see that one every other Marvel movie I'm going to be I'm going to be holding my breath <laughs> Huh. Okay. So so did I so did any of mine line up with one any of yours? One of them yours? did. There was one overlap. Just one. 
Just one. Yeah, it was Wonka with Timothy Chalamet. I, I just don't think we need another Wonka movie either. I don't see the appeal. Um, so another one for me is Barbie. Um, that is ah. the Greta Gerwig movie, who I think she's done great work, and it's such an odd yeah. choice. Um, I, I loved Lady Bird and... Um, uh, oh my gosh. Little Women was Little good. Little Women, yeah. Uh, they, they were... 2017 2019 she's she's really good and she's uh now doing this barbie movie and and maybe it's just something that's important to her and it looks like it's it's got a great cast with gosling and robbie um the trailer was kind of funny it was basically 2001 a space odyssey um but it just right. see, it could it could be just a complete disaster like it could just be really really dumb and corny and just not work at all i don't know maybe it's going to be a surprise that that would be cool i get the idea that barbie is a subject that is ripe for parody but it's kind of the like so clearly they're not making this for kids it's an adult movie not adult adult but like you know what i mean like I don't get the sense that this is supposed to be, oh, it's the Barbie movie. We're going to take their kids to the Barbie movie. Right. It almost seems like, no, this is a grown-up movie that's making fun of Barbie. Yeah. That's just called Barbie. And so all the kids who still want to play with Barbies are going to be going, hey, they made a Barbie movie, but I'm not supposed to see it. You know, like it just, it almost seems like, are they just making this to make fun of Barbie or is it supposed to kind of? Well, See, that's my problem with it, right? So you think the reason that Barbie dolls came out and they were so popular and they were developed by Mattel is because rather than actually being dolls, like you think of dolls as a little baby, right? They're grown up women that little little girls can play with and imagine that they're women. But the movie's PG-13. And so I think it's going to have a bunch of inappropriate stuff in it. A lot of people are going to bring little girls to it. And you're right. it's, It's probably like a Gen X movie. And yet... It's going to have lots of kids seeing things in there that are, I'm sure there's going to be boob jokes and partially naked people like, you know, how Barbies can be naked. And so I just, I think I just can foresee a lot of bad in this movie, you know, that is going to yeah. maybe not be a yeah. great thing. So I don't know, you know, um, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Maybe it's just PG-13 for an F word. And then, um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> Um, okay, another yeah. one of mine, and so this is where yeah. we, I guess, kind of diverge. Though I, I'm, even though I really liked Across the Spider Verse uh, and this last Spider Man movie from that came out last December, like a year ago, um, the uh-huh. No Way Home, I feel like it's they're they're yeah it's it's they're tempting fate by just continuing to do this and having another one, oh, okay. and it's called Across the Spider Verse, and I don't know, it might be more like Doctor Strange too, right? That's the one I'm most nervous about, like I'm most worried about. I think I know what we're going to okay. get in okay. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is probably going to be more of the same. That'll be fine. Maybe a little bland just because I feel like they have keep having to up the stakes or raise the stakes. But like, I, and I don't know, maybe, maybe Spider-Man will be like everything everywhere all at once. Maybe it'll have real like cartoons mixed with you know live action or they'll just do something really wild and trippy but i feel like okay we have two really surprisingly good better than average 
Spider-Man multiverse movies. Is this just all we're going to do now with Spider-Man? Is this that the new thing that Spider-Man does? So that just was weird to me. So, um, yeah. Well, and I guess I guess I was thinking more along the lines of just connecting it to the first Spider-Verse movie. Like I wasn't even really thinking about, you know, No Way Home. Yeah. Uh, which but which which is an excellent point. Yeah. And and honestly, the the notion of more multiverse stuff, I have zero interest. That's how that's kind of how I am already. It's like, yeah. Yeah, right. It's more it's more that I was so impressed by Into the Spider-Verse and how unique it was and how fun it was that I would really, I'm excited to see what they do next with it, regardless of the fact that they're doing multiverse. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it just feels like multiverse stuff is more tolerable or I enjoy it more when it's kind of an animated thing rather than mm-hmm. kind of like what they did with Dr. Strange and all that. But, um, cause I, I mean, I did like no way home. Yeah. Um, and then I guess with, with guardians and with Ant-Man, you know, the first Ant-Man, I absolutely adored. I really loved it. The second one was good, but definitely a step down. And so if the trend continues, mm-hmm. the third one I know. is probably going to... Yeah, and it's the same with Guardians. First Guardians is one of my favorite MCU movies, hands down. Yep. The second one was still a lot of fun, but it's definitely a step down. And so third up, just combined with everything else that's going on. Because, because Ant-Man in particular seems like, well... We started off with just kind of the the origin story of this character and how how funny it was that he was in the real world as this small character, but then the second movie and and now this third one it seems like now they're really kind of getting into bonkers land, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem to be nearly as interesting to me as just Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd yeah. in. You know, he's he is the fish out of water superhero, mm-hmm. right? He's the he's the superhero that really shouldn't be a superhero and and in the sense that you know it's not a captain america thing it's not yeah it's 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 not even iron man it's like he's this this smart guy who's kind of out of his element and it's, that's what's fun about it i really enjoyed that and i i just think that tr- the trajectory of these franchises is going to a place where I'm more nervous about seeing these movies than I am excited right and and the funny thing about it i noticed is so I did, we watched Ant-Man and the Wasp this week with the kids on, I think on Monday, and it was quite good. I, I And it, it was the second time I'd seen it, and I, I was, I, I did like it. Yeah, the first one probably is better, but there's quite a, well, there's a lot of good stuff in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Lots of funny, you know, suddenly shrinking, suddenly enlarging, you know, stuff that goes on. Um, and, uh, uh-huh. but now this one's called Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Like they're making sure to include the yeah. wasp, and the wasp is every bit as important as Ant Man now. Um, and now we have a new villain played by Jonathan Majors, a crane, I think, is who it is. But well, and uh, wasn't he introduced in another? It was it was either one of the Disney Plus series or where? Because I've been watching a bunch of random YouTube videos and commentaries and different things, and I want to say that. We we have already been introduced to this character briefly, but I either wasn't paying attention or it got lost in the multiverse shuffle. Mm. But I don't think this guy is just going to be brand new in this movie. I think he's already appeared somewhere else. Might have been. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, anyway. Yeah. So 
there's also so so yeah what else what else did you have in your most i mean okay so i don't know if this is fair because i haven't seen the second and third one but i'm like why do they need a fourth john wick movie are they gonna do five six seven and it's the same thing it's just him like killing a hundred guys in interesting ways but mostly shooting them you know like right i I, that's weird to me that they're doing it and i guess the third one did well enough that it's just it's happening again and he's popular but i don't i mean and i don't really plan to see it so i don't know if i even should have done as something i'm worried about um but yeah, right. the Mar- I kind of felt the same way. Um, yeah, the other ones. There's Guardians three we mentioned, and then the Marvels. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I hope oh, right. more of just Marvel doing their thing. Phase four is that it? Are we on phase four? <laughs> uh, no, or is it no. Five? So technically, I think I think that Ant Man is supposed to start phase five. Oh, well, okay. Which makes me say. What was the big finale for phase four? Because the other phases always capped off with like a big Avengers event movie. And there was no event movie to cap off phase four. This one kind of and phased out. Okay, that was a bad joke. It did. Um, it did. All right. But appropriate. <laughs> but appropriate. There's also Scream I'm, 6. I'm with you. Is it Scream 6? I think it's the sixth Scream. Scream, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess they're going to make these movies sell the end of time. You know, it's funny. There's just certain franchises <laughs> that are, that you just enjoy that speak to you. Like we said, mission impossible and others that, okay, I get it after one, you know, like, but you know, some people it's yeah, like right, every moment right. they can get every new piece of content they can get from a certain franchise. It's, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah. there's going to be, cause because this is, I mean, I, I capped it off at five, but I came up with like 19 movies individually oh, wow. that I was, you know, and they were all sequels, prequels, spinoffs, remakes. You know, we've got we've got Saw 10, which I can't put on my list officially because I haven't seen Saw 1 through 9. Yeah. And there's there's an it's called The Exorcist, but I think technically it's supposed to be a sequel to the original 1973 Exorcist. And I already mentioned the Hunger Games prequel. Mm-hmm. We've got the Fast and Furious 10, which breaks my heart because I really enjoyed kind of the knowingly stupid quality of these movies. Yeah. But it just seems like they've kind of peaked and are on their way down. And so I can't honestly say that I'm excited to see the 10th one. Okay. Um, I mean, once, once you've sent a Fiero into outer space... What is there left to do? Oh, I missed that. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, you didn't see nine? Uh, no, I don't think I've seen eight, sevens. I, I haven't seen most of them. So, yeah, I can't really comment. I've seen a couple of them. Um, but the. So, I'll mention just two kids' movies that I think I'll be seeing that look interesting to me. Okay. Um, Harold and the Purple Crayon. It's one of the classics that we read in our family. Um, by Crockett Johnson okay. and then Super Mario Brothers movie. And that's just kind of a question oh. mark. I don't know if I'm like <laughs> worried or excited because it's Mario has just taken over. I don't know with kids these days. And it's weird because this is like early eighties is when this came out. I cannot believe how popular Mario and all of the Mario offshoots still are. Like we literally, well, like one of my sons I mean, has Mario a Mario. Mario is the signature new tip. The what? Yeah. I mean, Mario Mario is the signature Nintendo character. It is. Right? Yeah. It's probably the most popular, like, recognizable Nintendo character, period. And 
And so now there's a movie yeah. with yeah. Jack Black and Chris Pratt as Bowser and Mario, respectively. So it could be a lot of fun. Animated, it right? could be really cool. All There's going to be a ton of Easter eggs in it of probably different characters from some iteration of a Mario game I've never even played, you know, from whatever. Um, but that's coming out, mm-hmm. I think, in April. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one. And then Herald of the Purple Crayon, well, I think, is in the early summer. And and it's but, but Super Mario Brothers. This one is animated, correct? Yeah. Because that that gives me a little bit of hope mm-hmm. because it feels like something that should be an oh, animated. Film. Oh, for sure. Um, if this were a live, they, well, because did you did you see the original live action? Oh one yeah, it's from it's, it's the early nineties. So hokey. Yeah, I I never saw it. I mean, I think even even in my young and impressionable eyes, I could tell that it was going to be a piece of garbage. So I don't didn't bother, oh. but. No, sorry, I didn't see the movie. There is a movie, I think, with Sean Hayes. There's a TV series that has a mixture of cartoon and then okay. live action. Well, because yeah. uh, is it uh, Bob Ho- Bob Hoskins and John Le- Leguizamo play Mario and Luigi oh. in... It's it's a movie called Super Mario Brothers from the early to mid-1990s. And it's live action, and my understanding is like it takes place in a city instead of whatever the world is that he's supposed to be in. And it's just kind of one of these things where they basically just took the name and a couple of characters and then made a movie that has absolutely nothing to do with the source material. And it's just legendarily bad. And, and so I can't say I'm excited to see the new one, but it at least looks like it's going to be done in a wise way where the other one was not. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. And remember David Fincher, who's done a ton of great stuff, has the killer coming out. It's, it's, it's another one to kind of watch for. Okay. Um, okay. He's, well, and I don't think either of us have mentioned Wes Anderson has got a couple movies coming yep. out. And now with one of them, is one of them based on another children's novel? Yeah, it's based it's a on Roald the short Dahl. stories in the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, which is so weird. I haven't been able to find that. Okay. We even bought a Roald Dahl collection with a ton of books, and that's not in there, and I've never read it. And I've read pretty much everything I could find from Roald Dahl. Um, our kids are reading them now. Like we were, I was actually talking with Sawyer upstairs, and he's reading them. He's reading um, George's Metis, Marvelous Medicine or something. And I, so I don't know what that story is. I don't know what these short stories are, but that's one of them. And then the other one's yeah. called Asteroid City. Well, just, just because it seems like with Wes Anderson, even though all of his movies have a kind of childlike quality to them, there are a few that are a little bit more family appropriate. And then most are, are more adult. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know if it was going to be one and one this this year because like Fantastic Mr. Fox and uh, was it Isle of Dogs, um, you know those ones was it Isle of Dogs or was it something else? There Isle was something called else. Isle was of dogs? dogs. I haven't seen that one. Okay, it was dogs. It yeah. was dogs. So so those ones obviously I mean not just because like every animated movie is for kids but like those seem to be you know like I would I would I would watch Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox with a younger audience. I'd, I'd be okay, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't have kids. You can only you can you can maybe speak better this than I can. But but whereas I I certainly wouldn't be sitting down with 
you know, with kids to watch Royal Tenenbaums or Rushmore yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it does seem like he kind of has this, his, his style lends itself well occasionally to something that's a little bit more family friendly. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know if one of these, I, cause I presume that being based on a Roald Dahl, uh, you know, short story that there's at least that, that chance. Yeah. So. Yep. Anyway, uh, anything else that, uh, jumped out at you? Um, I think those were the main ones. I, I, you know, I mean, there's another Creed movie, but I didn't see the second one. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the main one. There's a Transformer movie, but I probably haven't seen oh. the last couple. <laughs> okay, um, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one that I considered for both of my lists. Oh, okay. And the reason is that I I was unable to confirm this. I did a little bit of research and wasn't really able to figure out for sure. But I'm inclined to think that this is meant to be a direct sequel to Bumblebee. In which case, I am excited to see it. Because all of the the Michael Bay directed Transformers movies, I just, you know, I don't think I hated the first one. I just wasn't very impressed with it. And then all the other ones were just kind of terrible and, and mostly not in a fun way. But Bumblebee was exactly what I always wanted a Transformers movie to be. And so it's not the same director, but if it's still going to be kind of in that same that same vein, um, then I will be excited to see, was it Rise of the Beasts or whatever the, the subtitle is? Mm. Um, because that one looked like it could kind of go either, either way. And so yeah. I... I proceed with caution i haven't seen bumblebee but yes it is rise of the beasts and so i okay. maybe it may i should see bumblebee i've heard good things about it um yeah uh, it's good yeah as as somebody who just you know totally mocked and despised all the other transformers movies i loved bumblebee oh okay so so that for whatever that is worth to you <laughs> you can you can factor that into your viewing decisions but uh and and while I eagerly await the results of Flora and Simon. Oh yes, I will. I will review yeah. that one. They're going to start rolling in soon. In fact, I got uh, got a notice about the press screening for uh, for Ant Man three today. So oh. so we'll find about we'll find out about that one pretty soon. Cool. But in the meantime, wherever you guys are at, thank you for listening. Thanks for spending your time with us. Take good care of yourselves, and we will talk to you soon.